2: Wow, week 10 has got
3: all of the energy and mesmerizing finishes and weird elements that we love about the NFL. I don't know about game of the year. It's, it's mid-November. Can we zip it when it comes to game of the year? <laughs> I guess if you want to limit yourself and you want to settle for a game of the year in week 10... All that to say, the action was fantastic across the board in week number 10. Starting in Germany, in Munich. First ever NFL touchdown in Germany. And Tom Brady smiling again. That should tell you something. To a game that you all chose as the after hours game of the week. Living up to and exceeding expectations. Whatever your expectations were, we knew a game between Josh Allen's Bills, he did in fact start despite the UCL sprain, and the 7 and 1 Minnesota Vikings would be a clash of the titans. Can we please, for the love of all that is Thanksgiving dinner, stop asking whether or not the Vikings are for real? It's amazing how we choose to judge teams. Okay, well, they beat the Bills in Orchard Park, so now they must be for real. All right. I'm glad we've come to that conclusion. That game was tremendous. I watched it, and I still can't quite believe it. I've been thinking about it for hours now. Some incredible drama on the field. In Green Bay, where Mike McCarthy returned for his first game since he was fired, early December 2018 season. And it wasn't just him returning. A bunch of former Packers coaches and players are part of his staff or were there in the building and honored. So an emotional day at Lambeau Field. made it look cold too. I loved my game at Lambeau going back to week two. The only thing missing was the cold and the snow. (laughs) This was the kind of game that I've been waiting for from these Green Bay Packers. And they're still missing guys. But the young guys are growing up. Christian Watson, very first play for the offense this season, had a ball go right through his hands. A ball that was a sure walk-in touchdown run-in touchdown. It was on the money. And maybe that's where the Packers went horribly wrong and got so far off track and took a detour that cost them five consecutive losses. But just like the last-minute drive for the Buccaneers in Week 9 that ended their losing skid and got them back on track, this is the kind of game against a... Challenger for the NFC East against one of the best teams in the NFC. Against the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. That can put the Packers right back on track. Because it gives them confidence. It shows them their potential. And they had to fight back multiple times. They were down 14-0. Then they were down 28-14. And they won in overtime. Man, Football's an emotional game for us, but also for Aaron Rodgers. In the span of mere moments, he goes from yelling F-bombs at Coach Matt LaFleur over the play calls at the end of regulation to leaping around like he's a leprechaun, leaping, fist-pumping, screaming. Fox breathing. None of that was going on. He was way too fired up after an overtime reception and run for Alan Lazard that put them into field goal range. So we're going to get to all the big moments. That's not it. Jeff Saturday's Colts win their first game with him as their head coach. And wait, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Who are you? Matt Ryan, you say? I thought you were bench for the rest of the season. Nope. Back on the field as the starter. Apparently the shoulder is just fine. And Saturday believed Matt gave them the best chance to win, which I think most people would agree. Maybe not the owner, but. Everybody else? So Saturday making big changes even as he dons the hoodie on the sidelines for the first time. The Miami Dolphins are in a groove. The Cleveland Browns are not. The Rams fall further and further behind and are now in the basement of the NFC West. No joke. They're in the basement as in... The last team in the division, as in three and six with three consecutive losses. That has got to be one of the crazier storylines, along with the Seattle Seahawks being first place in that division. But they're no longer the only team above 500 in the NFC West. Oh, the standings. Oh, the races. They are taking shape. Can you believe we're. Roughly a week and a half away from Thanksgiving Day triple header. (laughs) It's crazy because I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday for a bazillion reasons, even though I won't be with my family. I do love Thanksgiving for family and food and friends and football and fun and all that jazz. But I also love working on Thanksgiving. Can I just tell you a secret? don't tell the bosses. It's like stealing money. It's an easy show, as in easy peasy. You just come in, talk about three football games, set up the weekend, and then out. <laughs> I very rarely, well, I I every now and then, I'll respond to the people who think I just work 4 hours. I show up, I do my show, and I leave because it's just so ludicrous. It's not even worth the response. But on Thanksgiving, yeah. I watch three football games. I eat leftovers. I come to work. I talk about three football games. And I leave. It's glorious. Five for Stafford. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. I can't wait, actually. What's wrong with me? I don't know. Don't answer that question. I'm not sure what's wrong with me. that I actually am looking forward to working on Thanksgiving. It's going to be great. I have no idea who's producing, though, because Producer Jay is taking off. So it might just be me. Thing is... The company may want me to learn how to run my own equipment. The answer is negative, Ghost Rider. So we're a week and a half away from Thanksgiving, from a triple header on Thanksgiving. And then, do you know, we will be into week 12 of the NFL season. Fast and furious, baby. It's the holidays. It's the football. It's the end of the year. Enjoy it while we can. We're inside of three months to the Super Bowl. But what? No, no one's talking about that. You know you're not allowed to talk about the Super Bowl on my show in November. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance, yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. So find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. Lots of traffic. For lots of reasons. I was sharing a bunch of photos over the weekend. So there was traffic for that reason. Uh, But also because it's football. And it's a football Sunday fun day. And so we have plenty to talk about. So check out Twitter, Radio, And then our Facebook page too. After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We'll get our post up. Let you vote for the team that will wake up the most morbid and miserable and mortified on Monday. Boy, do we have some candidates some very worthy candidates. In, we'll call it 12 minutes, we're going to spend some time in the Bay Area and talk about this Niners victory over the Chargers that just wrapped up a few minutes ago. Eh, minutes ago, hours ago, whatevs. You know what I'm saying. The, the time all blends together. The days blend together, that too. The Niners do not dazzle you. More often than not, it's kind of, I don't want to say boring, but it's standard. It's the base level for football. It's run the ball, move the chains, play defense, be tougher, be more physical, grind it out. But if that's your identity and that's how you win... Why switch up the formula? This is not how the Niners drew up the season, let's be honest. They thought by this time Trey Lance would have his feet wet. He'd be dazzling the way Justin Fields is. That's what they had in store for Trey Lance for this Niners offense. They didn't anticipate the injuries on defense. They certainly weren't expecting Christian McCaffrey, but, you know, sometimes adversity and struggle leads you to a place where There are gifts, a multitude of gifts. And for Niners fans to have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster still is a gift. Let's be honest. Without him and an injured Trey Lance, they either have to make a trade for a quarterback or they're chalking up the season to who knows what, to yet another round of injuries that derailed them. And the Niners certainly know about that. So hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, a team with a winning record on Sunday night, and right away, the Niners decided to dial up the degree of difficulty and spot the Chargers a few scores.
4: First and ten, Herbert under center, two receivers left, two tight ends right. Herbert takes the snap, back on a play fake, sets his feet, looks left, throws deep left, got a man open, that's Carter, he's got it, touchdown Chargers! DeAndre Carter got behind the defense and Herbert dropped it in the bucket. A 32-yard touchdown pass and a quick start for L.A. Chargers lead 6-0 with 11.35 to go in the first.
3: That's Ryan Radke on Westwood 1. And then after a Brandon Ayuk fumble, Rutro the Chargers are able to tack on a field goal. But it's late in the second quarter where the Niners find their footing and they go with what works to, for them. They run the ball. They use the run to set up a couple of pass plays. They don't get too fancy. But if it works, it works. And the defense always keeps them hanging around to give the ball back to the offense.
4: Niners out of the eye. Quarterback sneak and Garoppolo into the end zone. Touchdown, San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo with a one-yard touchdown run. It's his second of the season, and with 157 remaining in the second quarter, it's now a 13-9 Charger lead with the extra point coming up.
3: Once again, that's Ryan Radke on Westwood 1. So that late second quarter drive features a pair of long pass plays and a healthy dose of Christian McCaffrey. Now that they know he can do everything, now that they know he is reliable, well, let's go. Uh, Garoppolo ends up with the one-yard touchdown. And they go into the half, trailing by six points. But it's total domination for San Francisco most of the second half. That means ball domination, but also their defense having its way. In fact, pitching a shutout with the Chargers. And here's what I'm talking about with the ball control that's basic. It's not real fancy. In fact, you hear the Niners themselves use the word ugly. A 14-play, 77-yard drive that takes not one, two, three, four, five, or six minutes, seven minutes off the clock. This puppy extends into the fourth quarter, and it's Elijah Mitchell, and it's Christian McCaffrey, and it's the offensive line pounding the Chargers defense into submission, wears them out when they have to be on the field for seven minutes of actual football, but 14 snaps, 77 yards, again, it's a grind. And it takes its toll on an opposing defense.
4: 49ers with a quick snap, handoff McCaffrey, straight ahead into the end zone. Touchdown, 49ers. Christian McCaffrey with a two-yard touchdown run and the 49ers have taken the lead Christian McCaffrey's touchdown run has put the 49ers in front 19-16 with 7.54 remaining
5: Defense has completely suffocated them all night. They've not scored after 16 first-half points Here's Herbert back pressured by Bosa steps up throws a fluttering ball ball got tipped Intercepted by Talanoa and he'll run out of bounds with the game. The got deflected and Talanoa takes the INT to end the game. The Big Bad Wolf's
4: got ball skills that are really, really, really good.
3: <laughs> That's Greg Papa and company on the Niners radio network. And they echoed my sentiments. It was fairly obvious. San Francisco dominates the second half from the ball control to the defense. And we'll talk about it with Matt Mayoko when he joins us coming up. In a few minutes here on After Hours, CBS Sports Radio. Really short L.A. possessions in the second half. They find no traction, no footing. And as San Francisco tacks on a field goal with about a minute to go, they're able to turn around and seal the game with the interception off Justin Herbert. Listen to this. 41 San Francisco carries. In other words, 41 rushing attempts. That leads to 157 yards rushing la is held to 238 yards of total offense so the niners have 157 yards rushing the chargers barely manage more than that total and they only have one trip into the red zone and they don't capitalize on it this is the type of game the niners want to play
0: different ways to win in this league we definitely made hard on ourselves that's that's for sure uh but you know a lot of resilient guys, uh, a lot of mature guys. That was a big thing on the sideline and at halftime, just the maturity of our team, especially offensively, uh, just how we stuck together. You know, it wasn't pretty early on, and they were doing some things that gave us trouble, but uh, we stuck with it and you know got the W. We gave up those big plays on the opening game, and we got to an answer right away with that touchdown, but we ended up getting to fourth and goal, I think, on the two. So, you know, I, I was proud of our team today. Like, I want to, I want to play better. I want to blow people out. I want to score every time we go. So that, those are the type of games that that team is really good at winning.
3: As for Garoppolo, it takes a guy who doesn't have an ego when it comes to his stats. What does Jimmy G want to do? He wants to win. And does he like to make the big plays and throw the ball? Sure, what quarterback doesn't? But he doesn't care how they win as long as they do. And they're above 500 now at 5 and 4. He ends up with the 240 yards passing and the rushing touchdown. And as for Justin Herbert, he's under 200 yards passing. Now, they're missing some pieces. Again, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. It's tough on this young quarterback, and I've heard people talk about how he's regressed. That's not the case. But it's hard when you've got a revolving door of receivers. Just ask Aaron Rodgers how easy that is. He has a touchdown. He has an interception. And he knows that it's on him to figure out how to move forward and to kind of get back on track in that AFC West race.
4: The important thing is just to be the best quarterback and teammate and um, everything that I can be in. Um, You know, it didn't go our way today. We unfortunately fell short, um, but I know that tomorrow everyone's going to show up and and we're going to have a good day of practice. We're going to watch the film and we're going to get better. And, um, you know, we're going to hopefully learn from our mistakes and, and to avoid things like that today.
3: Only 51 yards rushing for, uh, for the L.A. Chargers, which tells you something since Austin Eckler is available and is a guy that's really slippery. Uh, but the Niners suffocate them, especially in the trenches. So if you're looking at the NFC West standings, Seahawks, after the loss in Germany, have the 6-4 and four record, but the Niners are 5-4. and four. They're right there, same number of losses. And then in the AFC West, the Chargers slipped back even as the Chiefs went again. And so it's now 7-2 and two Kansas City with 5-4 and four L.A. in second place. And then the Broncos and Raiders are disasters. So coming up, we're going to head to the Bay Area. We're going to talk about these Niners with Jimmy G, with Christian McCaffrey, with Elijah Mitchell, with a healthy Nick Bosa. His brother did not play, but his mom was wearing a jersey that had half of each team's logo sewed together. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We're just getting started. You can find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. Also on our... Why?
0: Why? If you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the why. And visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
1: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
2: our facebook
3: page it's after hours with amy lawrence on cbs sports
2: radio
0: you are listening to the after hours podcast
5: after 16 first half points here's herbert back pressured by bosa steps up throws a fluttering ball ball got tipped intercepted by Talanoa. who funga and he'll run out of bounds with the game. The ball got deflected, and Talanoa takes the INT to end the game.
0: We gave up those big plays on the opening game, and we got to an answer right away with that touchdown, but we ended up getting to fourth and goal, I think, on the two. So, you know, I, I was proud of our team today. Like, I, I want to I play better. I want to blow people out. I want to score every time we go. But that, those are the type of games that that team is really good at winning. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence.
3: The voice of one Kyle Shanahan as the Niners recover from an early double-figure deficit to beat the Chargers at home and now move to 5-4. and Just one win back of the Seahawks, who lose in Germany on Sunday morning. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're pleased to welcome Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, who's covered the Niners for nearly three decades and was at the game a couple hours ago. Matt, it's funny to hear the guys talk about how they don't care how they win, if it's ugly, if it's not pretty football, blah, blah, blah. How would you describe the Niners' style of football when they win?
6: Well, I mean, it, when they win, it, it can take any number of different shapes. You know, usually it's a defense-led team, and usually it's the running game, uh, putting up some big numbers. Um, you know, their, their passing game has been efficient. It hasn't been anything really to marvel over. And I think that's probably the the next stage you know, the next evolution where the 49ers go this season is, They, you look at them and you go, man, they they have too many offensive weapons not to put up big numbers. You know, when you look at Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, I mean, they have enough skill players to to get rolling. And as Kyle Shanahan blow out some teams, and you add in the defense that has been playing so well, and there's really, I just can't really put my finger on why they aren't playing better but hey this was a win you know in the (laughs) nfl a win is a win and so you just move on but i do look at them and go at five and four with eight games left in the season and uh there's only two true road games uh to finish out the season wow i I could definitely see where they can get on a roll and and finish strong
3: Good to see Elijah Mitchell out there and making a contribution. We know what Christian McCaffrey has done and he's staying healthy this season as well. Uh, There's a couple of other guys that have returned on the defensive side of the ball. So they have this run the ball, stop the run type of base level Mm -hmm. for their formula. It does obviously take their guys being available. So at this point, week 10, how healthy are they? Uh,
6: They're pretty healthy. They're about as healthy as they've been all season. The only two guys that you know for certain who've played this year, who won't be back are Trey Lance and Emmanuel Mosley, the cornerback. Everybody else has a chance. And of course, you know, they did lose Jason Brett, but he hasn't played yet. And they were kind of looking at him as kind of a bonus if mm. he could get on the field. But Eric Armstead, who's a big key to that defense in the middle, he should be back in a couple of weeks and they're holding out hope that Javon Kinlaw, another big defensive tackle can get back out there. But right now, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're healthy by and large. And they're the guys who are on the shelf for guys who um, they expect back at some point by and large. So it's a team that I I could, I could look at them, you know, as other teams probably look at them and think that, you know, they're dangerous. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're a dangerous team. And I think they, I think they get a lot of respect uh, around the league And I think a lot of it is on potential of of what this team can mold into as the season season goes on, because we really haven't seen them put together a complete performance. You know, they played a half a good football here, a half a good football there, (laughs) but that's been enough for them to go five and four.
3: And you're saying there really aren't any answers for that. There's not one common reason why they haven't been able to play consistent football yet?
6: I, I I don't I can't put my finger on it to be honest with you. I mean, it it seems like there's something different. I and today you know they you look at it. I mean they they threw the ball efficiently, um, they ran the ball efficiently. Uh, they had the one turnover. They were very good on third downs, but they just kind of bogged down by and large in the red zone. So. Uh, they they scored the two touchdowns, but that's not good enough. You know, that offense should be scoring more than two touchdowns a game. So, no, it's something I, I can't really put my finger on. Um, I, I think that enough teams now maybe in the NFL run some variation of Kyle Shanahan's offense that defenses get a lot more looks at that per season. And so I do think that the defenses that have played the 49ers have been pretty – Pretty well schooled and prepared to face this offense.
3: Matt Mayoko is with us from NBC Sports Bay Area covering the Niners Sunday Night Football win that puts them above 500 now and firmly in second place in the West Division. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. The Christian McCaffrey edition, we know there was other competition for him, namely, the Rams were really interested and had put together a package to try to bring him on board. We've seen him with the trifecta in one game. He's been an instant injection of yardage and points to the Niners. But what does he mean to the team off the field or behind the scenes when we can't see it?
6: Well, I think the, the very first thing was when that trade was made on a Thursday night and before he even arrived in the Bay Area from Charlotte, they had a team meeting. And, and during that meeting, John Lynch, general manager, and Kyle Shanahan addressed the team and they looked at all the players in the room and said, hey, the reason we made this trade is because we have confidence that you guys right here are good enough so that if we add another player of Christian McCaffrey's talent level and his stature, that this team can go all the way. So they, the way they pitched it to the team or the way they sold it to the team was, this is a reinforcement of the confidence we have in you. And so I do think that his Arrival did signal kind of a I, I don't know not not necessarily a rebirth but just kind of a little bit more okay it's on you know there there there's no excuses this season for not reaching their goals um, you know what are there a handful or six or eight teams in the NFL right now who probably think they have legitimate shots at winning the Super Bowl and I think the 49ers are on that list of teams. Uh, that feel and and have a reason to feel that if things turn out right, if the ball bounces their way uh, into December and January, that they have a chance to be playing for that Lombardi trophy.
3: It's just crazy, Matt that they started out the season after an entire off season training camp preseason centered around Trey Lance and yeah. his abilities. And how many times did Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch try to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo? In fact, my line that I use is, is Kyle Shanahan can't quit him. He can't, he's tried, but he can't get rid of him. Uh, and so then it turns out that they're going to need Jimmy and back together. They come and, I'm so amazed by Jimmy's professionalism because there are so many other athletes and forget just athletes, human beings who would not be as gracious and as professional in the situation that Jimmy has been.
6: It's been crazy. It really has. And, you know, it was two days after the season, Fort ers lose to the Rams in the NFC championship game. And, and at that point we were, I think we we're, yeah, we were still doing the zoom interviews and on, on that zoom interview, two days after the season, he, said goodbye to the media. He said, it's been fun. You know, he, he talked to the fan base and said, you know, to the, to the 49ers faithful, thank you for everything. It's been quite a ride. And boom, you know, the the uh, the Zoom call was over, and that was the last we'd ever thought we'd ever see of Jimmy Garoppolo as a member of the 49ers. And the 49ers were convinced that, that they were going to be able to trade him and they were going to get a pretty good price in return. And then a week before the start of the new league year, when trades could be executed, he had that shoulder surgery. The teams that were interested backed off, and they they went in different directions. The frontiers still thought that they'd be able to trade him, but that just never happened. And then finally, you know, a, couple, a few weeks into training camp, and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were talking. And they were like, you know what? There's actually a possibility that he could be back, and they they went to Jimmy with that scenario, and he was. Kept an open mind, and lo and behold, there were no injuries in training camp. The, the, uh, the Browns decided they wanted to stick with Jacoby Brissett until Deshaun Watson became available to play for them. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I might mention wisely, decided to stick with <laughs> Geno Smith as their starter. And the next thing you know is there was no starting job out there for Jimmy Garoppolo. And so, it was basically he had the, and this is this looks kind of brilliant on his part. Now he felt like the best opportunity for him was to return to the 49ers as a backup, mm. just in case what actually ended up happening in week two ended up happening, which was Trey Lance goes down with a season-ending injury, Jimmy Garoppolo with no off-season program, with no training camp, steps in. And, you know, he, he did not look good, if you recall that Sunday night game against the Broncos. Right. In fact, he looked pretty darn bad. And a lot of that, I think, was pinned on the fact that he didn't have training camp. So he just kind of stepped in, and away they go. And, and there's a struggle there at the beginning. But, you know, you look at him, he's playing good football. You know, he he, he no one's ever going to say that he's a top eight quarterback in the league or an elite quarterback, but I don't think anybody – Relevant would also say that he's the worst or one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league. He fits into that middle tier of quarterbacks. And for the 49ers, he's a really good fit because he has a quick release. He gets the ball out. He's accurate with the underneath stuff. And the 49ers are loaded with guys who can make run after the catch. And he's he puts it in a good position for those guys to run with the football after they catch it.
3: And he and Kyle are fine. Everything's great.
6: I, 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 I that's a great question, Amy. I don't know. they you know what? They're they're both honest guys. They're both good guys. They. I think that everything that Kyle Shanahan thinks about Jimmy, he he's told Jimmy. So I don't think there are a whole lot of secrets there. <laughs> and the way I look at it would be, if if things weren't right with Jimmy Garoppolo, if he if he and Kyle weren't getting along or there were issues between the two of them, then why would Jimmy have wanted to come back? And why would Kyle have wanted to keep him around? So, Mm. I mean, I I think it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship where I think they're good for each other. I I don't think Garoppolo, right. I mean, I think Garoppolo gets uh, helps Kyle Shanahan because He's won a lot of football games as starting quarterback for Kyle Shanahan. And I think Shanahan's system and his coaching helps Garoppolo because I think he gets a lot out of Garoppolo. So, you know, it might not not always be smooth. It it might not not always be totally comfortable. Um, I'm sure at times there are hurt feelings and there have been hurt feelings. But at the end of the day, I think they're better off with each other.
3: mm I appreciate that, Matt. That's great insight. Before I let you go, uh, Niners linebacker Dre Greenlaw was ejected. This is in the second quarter. It was a nasty-looking helmet-to-helmet hit on Herbert. What was the reaction in the locker room? Or I don't know if anyone was able to speak to him after about that, the, about yeah. that particular hit.
6: Well, the 49ers didn't think that it, it warranted an ejection because at that point, Justin Herbert was a ball carrier. But the league office, or at least uh, Walter Anderson, the uh uh, officiating uh, vice president of uh, officiating said that because Herbert was down already at the time that the helmet-to-helmet hit was made it was considered flagrant because he had an opportunity to change direction or, or make a different decision in how he hit Herbert so it, it's, it's tough it looked bad the league is trying to take away those helmet-to-helmet hits and, right. and it should but I also kind of look at it like, man, it's a tough it's a tough thing for Drake Greenlaw to be running at full speed and recognize that Herbert has his knee down and pull off of that. But he's got to be able to avoid those helmet-to-helmet contact. And the other thing that Walt Anderson kind of left out there was that all these hits are reviewed later. That decision to eject him came from New York after the replays were watched there. And now the league has... Uh, a decision to make, whether it wants to, I mean, he'll certainly get fined for that hit. And and now, even on the table, would be a possible suspension. So we'll see how this thing plays out over the next couple of days. But the 49ers did not believe that that hit and that play warranted an ejection. So they weren't real pleased about that part of it.
3: All right. Matt it has been a long day. He's a longtime Niners insider covering Sunday night football, which I know takes a little extra oomph. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at MayokaNBCS, NBCS, M-A-I-O-C-C-O-N-B-C-S. A long time with NBC Sports Bay Area, but also a long time since we've had you on the show. Matt, it's great to connect with you again. Thank you so much for the time.
6: All right, Amy. Always my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
3: He's also on KNBR 680 in the Bay Area, and I know many of you listen to our show on uh, that blowtorch of a station. And so we've got the connections with Matt and great insight, especially what he had to say about Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo and how the unexpected was exactly what they needed. And now here they are at five and four above 500 and ready to move forward into this second half. You can find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. We're just getting started. Jeff Saturday, as a head coach, got mixed reviews before they got out there on the field Sunday, and then he pulled a fast one and changed
2: the starting quarterback
5: Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at TMobile.com.
4: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela. Is your reward, Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: Our's podcast.
5: First and goal for the Colts. Taylor's his lone back. It's a quarterback keeper for Matt Ryan. No signal yet. And yes, he is. a rushing score for the veteran quarterback. A quarterback plunge less than a yard away. He gets the end zone, and the culture are on the board first. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y for Matt Ryan.
0: Hits, misses, and messes. Time to talk football after hours with Amy Lawrence.
3: Okay, two things. Number one, Matt Ryan, I thought he was benched for the rest of the season. Number two... When did Matt develop wheels? When did he grow some wheels? <laughs> this was as much about Matt's ability to take care of the football as it was about his ability to <clears throat> scramble. And to run crazy town for the Colts and the Raiders in Las Vegas. But I guess that's fitting in Vegas, right? It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, Matt, a surprise starter. His rushing TD and a pair of field goal drives put Indianapolis up on the Raiders 13 to seven. But then it's a back and forth second half in Jeff Saturday's first game as a head coach at any level beyond high school. (laughs) The the Raiders moved the ball. They did some good things on offense. They kept the ball more than seven minutes in the third quarter, and a Josh Jacobs touchdown gave the Raiders their first lead. But, man, when Jonathan Taylor is healthy, he is a game changer.
5: Under center Ryan. Again, hands off to Jonathan Taylor. Big run. 40, 45, 50. Breaks it outside. Down the far sideline. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. 10, 5 and he is close to the end zone. can he stay in? Yes. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y.
3: A 66-yard run to painter for Jonathan Taylor. Okay. The offensive line all of a sudden grew some gumption. The offensive line played great in this game. Matt Ryan was barely touched, which is huge because as much as I'm going to joke about his wheels, he, he doesn't have them. And he's got cinder blocks her feet, needs to be protected, but Jonathan Taylor healthy and the lines clearing space for him. It was really amazing to see him move and also to see him change the game and tip the scales in the favor of the Colts. 147 yards and a touchdown for JT in this game. And it's Matt Taylor on Colts Radio. Now, it's a quick response by Vegas. Devontae Adams, he is the secret. Well, not so secret. He is the weapon that Derek Carr can depend upon. 48-yard touchdown. And once again, the Raiders have the nose in front. They're up 20-19 to 19 early in the first quarter. So as much as these two teams are kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel and they've fallen on really tough times, this was an entertaining second half to be sure. So now Indianapolis is trailing by a point and has the ball. And they're deep into the fourth quarter. And I am not kidding you. On third down in fourth, this fourth quarter drive, One of my absolute favorite moments of the entire football weekend. Raiders
5: 20 Colts 19 Colts back to the line of scrimmage out of the gun Matt Ryan to pass has time shuffled out and he's going to take off and run he's got a first down and more 35 40 45 Cut back 50 still going down the far <laughs> sideline and he's tripped up inside the Raider 40 Matt Ryan looked like an Olympic sprinter down the far sideline
3: oh, okay. first down for the quarterback let's not get carried away Matt Taylor but the Red Sea parted for Matt Ryan the entire right side Even Matt Ryan looks speedy when you've got an entire area of nothing but green grass and white paint. It was unbelievable. Good for you, Matt Ryan. Then he goes back to the pass with, again, the Colts trailing by a point.
5: Ryan to throw, crossing pattern, inside the 20 to go. The Colts 10 at the 5, and they will score a touchdown with Paris Campbell. That's a 36-yard crossing pattern all the way to the house for Paris Campbell. And the Colts
3: are back on top as Paris finds Painter. Okay, they're in Vegas, right? Do you hear all those Colts fans or just fans? Maybe they're just hanging out. And they will score a touchdown with Paris Campbell. That's a 36-yard. Maybe they do think they're watching the Olympics and Matt Ryan as a world-class sprinter. So, yes, Paris Campbell hauls in the 35-yarder from Matt. And the Matt Ryan-led Colts, the Jeff Saturday-led Colts, go up, and are able to preserve the win. The Raiders do have the ball for four-plus minutes, 14 plays, and into the red zone, so it was getting dicey. But Indianapolis defended two passes, knocked away two deep into the red zone. In fact, one of them might have been on the goal line, if I remember correctly. And the win is secure for Jeff Saturday in his coaching debut. What?
0: I'm not sure there's a storybook ending any better for the first for the first game, so a uh, heck of a win, obviously it's one win. We want to stack a lot of wins, but you can't start a stack until you get the first one. So uh, really proud of the guys and, and excited about the way they played. Um, so we'll go from there. Just an incredible win. I, I told the guys just to, all three phases was just, just an incredible team effort. These guys have been through it. I told the staff, um, the coaches, the players, just the fortitude that they, that they presented and, and uh, the way they played today. They, they laid it all out there today. And I just could not be more appreciative of those guys and the way they played.
4: It was a great job by the leaders in our locker room and the guys from 1 through 70, basically, of of saying, you know what, we got to get to work. And I'm proud of the guys for doing that.
3: Matt Ryan, back to work. Sam Ellinger apparently took the news very well professionally. Jeff said it was evident on Friday during practice that Matt gave them a better chance to win. He said Matt practiced really well. There were no lingering issues from the shoulder. And so because of that, he felt like it was an obvious choice, which, let's be honest, it's a fairly obvious choice And if the Colts do want a better chance to win, then Sam Ellinger should not be starting. I know Matt Ryan had a lot of turnovers early on. Maybe this is a galvanizing point. Saturday also said he felt very peaceful. And a lot of calm as he went to Allegiant Stadium for his coaching debut. So good for the Indianapolis Colts as they get a win to move to 4-5-1. and one, And they rush for more than 200 yards. Okay, Jonathan Taylor and <clears throat> Matt Ryan. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.